So many things could have gone wrong, you know, on the way. And when I made it to college, I always use like the thoughts, if I made it as a refugee to Germany, then I can freaking hit a golf ball into a hole. Hello everybody, my name is Jeremy Franchese. You are listening to First Floor Conversations, where the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. Uh, today on episode 41, we're joined by Ali Kazenbeck. Ali is a member of the Iranian national golf team, uh, an ex-Iranian refugee, which we'll talk about, uh, and has a story that every single one of you needs to hear. Ali, welcome to the show. Um, hey. Be, uh, before we dive in, uh, for those that listen and, and uh, you know, for those that have, have watched, thank you as always. But um, I like to build a little bit of a foundation. Um, so, Ali, if you could just get us up to speed on, you know, where are you today? Uh, you know, where are you from? And uh, and uh, we'll dive in from there. All right. Hey, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Ali. I'm 25 years old. I'm currently in Germany. I'm originally from Iran, um, a former refugee, like you mentioned. Um, the past five years, I lived in the States, played college golf, um, yeah, worked for a year, and now came back. And I am a full-time UX designer, and also I try to handle golf and fitness besides it, yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you joining. When we first connected, I was excited. I'll be honest. I think that it's not even just the story and um, it was really just like when we spoke, I just felt like you and I were very similar. Like it was just one of those yeah. things that um, big dreams, big goals, but ultimately we got to put some work in to make it happen. And when I started hearing like, you know, you know, golf took you to 30 countries, but the reality was that wasn't something where you grew up a childhood celebrity golf star, which brought you to the promised land, right? The reality is things didn't start off as easy uh, as some might think when they hear about that success. And so I'd love to start in understanding a little more about the beginning of kind of what you remember growing up as a child, um, growing up in Iran, and, and what the development was at that point in life. Yeah, yeah, basically, um, throughout my journey, nothing actually went the way we expected it. Um, yeah, so I, I was born in Iran. My parents are from Iran. Um, and in, in 79, there was a revolution, an Islamic revolution in Iran. So we had a kingdom and then it became an Islamic government. And my parents were all, always basically against that. And so yeah my parents were studying my dad was studying polit political science my dad and my mom was studying fashion and yeah they decided to move because they thought that's the best for me and my brother and finally in 2000 end of 2000 they made the step after selling all their life and then make it basically towards to the to europe slash usa um yeah but I, as far as I remember, I had a good childhood. Um, growing up in Iran is nice. It still feels home to me, um, even though I haven't been there for years. But yeah, like being around all my family was nice. Um, yeah, I grew up playing soccer. Um, yeah, like I, I don't remember a lot of things from Iran because I was there only in kindergarten. But as far as I remember, it was all positive. Right. I remember when, when we connected, you know, it wasn't exactly like your folks sold everything. They they left Iran and 
you know, ended up at the perfect place in Germany and settled in. And um, at the time, you guys were ultimately trying to come to the States, right? It was, you know, you guys were in a position where they were trying to improve the quality of life for you, your brother, and just the family at large. It didn't seem like that ended up playing out the way they had planned. Yeah, exactly. So our initial plan was to basically get to Europe. And to do so, we went through different various countries. I think it was six or seven of them. Um, and it was kind of a journey. So wherever we were, like, for example, in Turkey, we took it from that moment and see, okay, what's the next move we can do? And so that's why we went through m- many countries to end up in Germany. And our plan was to, we had like the typical American dream, which a lot of refugees had at that time, to make it to the U.S. and provide a good living to the children. Basically, my that's what my parents thought. Um, and then once we were in Germany, we were like, um, in the process of getting the green card of US, which is very hard. Um, and that took for a while, that took a few months. And that's why we um, lived in Germany for a few months in the refugee home. But then the incident of 9-11 basically changed our plans. And, and then we had to, um, yeah, rethink our plan and see where we go from there. And we decided to stay in Germany because that was the only option outside of Iran. And yeah. So at that point, you were you're, you and the family navigated six, seven countries as this, as as a, a journey to acquire a better quality of life, right? You were trying to make the move anyway, but the Iranian uh, like the, the the environment there kind of started that journey early, right? They're like, all right, now I guess we're leaving no matter what. Sold everything they had, kind of burn the burn the boats. We're we're going. We're we're staying here. Um, and ended up in Germany. How old were you when, when that was taking place? Do you remember? Um, yeah, so I was five when we left Iran. And um, your, is your brother older or younger? My brother is three years older. So my Got brother it. was in third grade in Iran still. So Got he it. learned how to write and like, he went to school there. Got but, it. Yeah, for me, it was, I also went to kindergarten my first year in Germany. Got it. Okay, so so you grew up in essence in Germany, really. Like you, you're yeah. Iranian at heart. But when it came down to where did you have your childhood? Okay, and so I'm curious. Do you remember anything? Uh, you know what it was like with your with your parents when they like when they sold everything, moved. I know being five, you kind of can't remember a whole lot. But knowing you now and what we've talked about. I feel like there must have been something that you learned from them from like a commitment because we're going to get to it in a little bit, but like you're no, you're no, you're no uh, stranger to picking up and relocating and trying to change your life, right? Like that you moved halfway across the world for this, for a different reason, but the same journey, the same vision. I'm curious what, what that was like. Um, yeah, basically like the reason I am the way I am is because all I knew from my childhood was advert adversity. So it was just, it was literally like life throws challenges at you and you have to make decisions based on your instincts. And that's what I was watching my parents going through that process. I mean, they sold all their life and they saved up money many years to make it happen. And then making the, the decision to leave your home country to somewhere where you don't have anyone it's it's a it's sound it's much bigger than it even sounds because so like you leave all your family especially for me i didn't have that big of a connection but my parents i mean they left their sisters brothers you know parents 
and and we we left without even speaking a different language i mean we all like my parents spoke like let's say basic english but that's that's all so coming to germany it was just it's all of course a cultural shock because you come from a third world country to a first world country and then you have to adjust to the language to the culture to so many things to the bureaucracy and yeah so i think it was for me always normal to see that things change fast and you have to adjust to them which kind of kind of yeah like it's that kind of in my dna that's also how i live every day and i'm i'm used to like making fast decisions like if big changes happen it just you know it's just a normal thing to me right one of the changes that ultimately changed everything when we when we spoke was surprisingly the choice to play a video game and i love that because we're in this world where esports is eclipsing the, the 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 live sports market almost right if not already if i looked at the data and you know 20 years ago playing video games was you know it was almost looked down upon it was like go play outside get at it from the computers and now there are people making a ton of money uh and thinking about the last episode it actually will come out tomorrow morning but uh, when I talked with Ian Lenhart, who was the guest on episode 40, um, you know, he, he talked about how you can put yourself in position to like indulge in, am I interested in that and learn about your curiosities? And in your case, you grew up playing soccer, golf's an expensive sport to play. And so it wasn't like you grew up in a house where it was, you know, a golf club at age three, uh, you, were, you were taught and trained uh, and that was part of culture. You stumbled into it through a video game? <laughs> yeah so yeah so when i was 11 my parents um got me and my brother computer and at, and at that at that time a monitor was like super heavy you know like it was it was like an old computer but for me it was just so new and i used to watch all these advertising about like kids videos and games and i tried to like figure out where's internet <laughs> but i i don't know it took me a while to like see like find a browser and then have you know like have an internet connection and so me and my brother were like super fascinated by, by this new world new digital world and we were we played some small mini games and then we we found this game called shot online which is like a, a online game where you play against real humans and you have like this online golf character from it's kind of more like a comic figure figure and then they play golf. Um, yeah, we started playing this it, maybe for two years, and we were very good at it. Um, were you I, better than Were you better than your brother? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, the thing is, I didn't know we didn't know anything about golf. So the first, the first um, touch I had to golf was like this game where you see like some comic figures hitting the ball four hundred fifty yards with insane curves and backspin and like just crazy things which made me think oh cool that's how golf is but i mean that's also where i started learning the the vocabulary of golf like fair fairway greens rough and all these things and yeah and then one day my parents had friends over and where i where my parents lived there was a golf course just five minutes away so we decided to go to the golf course to have like do some a different activity and then you just pay six dollars get two hours coaching, like introduction to the game. And then, yeah, and then it hit me kind of, I, I hit like 100 balls and in the middle of it, I hit one of one, one seven iron, it went like 120 yards. 
but I hit it in the middle of the face and it just felt like butter and it just flew and flew and you see how it just the ball lands and it was just such a crazy feeling so I've made my plans to go back into the golf course maybe for four weeks straight um, and yeah during that time I was playing soccer in a team pretty good like I was like um, like about to play for a better team and my parents already sacrificed a lot to drive my brother me and my brother to the practice and you know three times a week practice so it's a lot of commitment but yeah and then it was just clear after a month I quit soccer out of like out of the blue like I was just so in love with the game and then started playing golf what was your parents reaction when you quit when you put soccer because soccer is obviously more predominant in Iran yeah, and, and that was also what, uh, that was the environment my dad grew up in, my brother. Um, he was always collecting soccer cards, like all these things. Um, and that was me too. Like I grew up watching my brother playing soccer. That's why I also started. But my parents, they didn't, it was just a big question mark because nobody, like in Iran, golf is such a small sport. And then they, my parents probably didn't even hear about it before. But they just saw that I, that I was so passionate about it and they just, yeah, supported me. And w- when I made a decision to stop playing soccer, it was just, okay, you know. So I got I to gotta give my parents a lot of credit for just like letting, <laughs> like trusting into my in- instincts when I was 12 or 13, you know. We'll circle back on that, but I do also feel that that is a significant factor that unfortunately a lot of kids don't get the benefit of you know and they they inject themselves into the child's decision to say no you should keep doing this because of this reason and sometimes it's that simple like i'm reading a book right now that 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 goes through like how humans make decisions and it Mm -hmm. talks about how we operate as if everything's based on logic like we're robots but when you really get down to brass tacks people are emotional creatures and 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 there's 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 this study i wish i could place the name of it but um, it was, uh, I think it was in uh, Wire. I think it was a magazine in the States. But it basically breaks down how, like, we make most of our decisions from a subconscious level, meaning it's already been made before we think we make it. Like, at a basic level. And it's like you knew at that point golf was going to be the game you played. It just didn't compare to soccer. Like, there's no way to rationalize it with facts. It's, no, like, I'm, this one makes sense to me. I'm going to play this, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was just the one thing that that was more fun than soccer. I mean, pretty binary, right? But I mean, just the fact that I, if I wouldn't play this computer game, I would probably never, like, even get into golf. Like, for sure not. Because it's just such a, like, game of the wealthy people, especially in Germany. And yeah, so that was never an option. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if I think back, it was just an intuition. It was just like, okay, we're going to do it. But to see how, how far it took me and what opportunities it gave me, it's just insane. And, and I think, like you say, it's important to still decide this way in, in our society today because, of course, it, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't clear to anyone that I play golf. Also in high school, like, I got bullied and people are like, why oh, you play golf? Like, it's, it's just for old people. But it didn't make sense to anyone, but it made so much sense to me, you know? 
I think that's 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 one of the biggest things that when we first talked that that stood out more than anything. It was just the the your north star became very clear at that point, which is clearly why you do still play golf despite having an alternative path. And I'm curious, at what point did uh, golf in Germany as a hobby and an activity and maybe a competitive thing that you did turn into a real thing where somebody called you or like how, how did this become a thing that wasn't an interest but was this could change the the course of my life. Well, actually, this story is interesting. So when I started playing golf, it was also an accident. My mom found a job in the golf in the golf course in the restaurant. So she was a waitress there. And then that was perfect. So every morning I would go with her to the golf course, you know, stay as long as she has to work and then go home. So that, that gave me a guarantee that I will practice, you know, for six, seven, eight hours. And then I did that. I was having so much fun, started playing some small regional tournaments i got my handicap and i started playing tournaments and like i told within three four months i was like handicapped 10 like for people that's that's actually pretty solid that's like going from a very amateur person to someone who can play competition golf in yeah in his age and then yeah and that when i and then i got invited by the iranian national team through the embassy that was a year later so after two years of playing golf which was super random because at that time I started playing like bigger tournaments and I would, the fun, f- funny thing is I would qualify for the German championship every year, like basically two years in a row, but I couldn't participate in it because I didn't have a German passport. And we're, the first six years in Germany, we're in a refugee home and then we started living by ourselves, but we're still on a, um, not on a citizenship, but we, we, we had the, uh, the permission to stay. So when that came up, I was like, that's not possible that a former refugee starts playing good golf, qualifies for a national championships in Germany, but cannot participate because he's not German, right? And so I started using that as an, not as an excuse, but I, as an opportunity to get my citizenship because it, by law, I still had to wait, I think, four years. So I started and it, and it also became a big deal because people didn't even think about this like this path or this option. So I, I went to the departments, talked to them, and because of this reason that I was good in athletics and also have good grades in school, I got my citizenship just a year later, which was super like random, you know? And that's what, and I got my citizenship five, six years earlier than my parents and my, my brother. So that was also a thing. I was like, man, from the computer game, I actually got, I actually got like, a basic in Germany, like they cannot, they cannot send me back anymore, right? You know, um, yeah. And then when I played for Iran, I I got invited to the World Championship, and that was in Turkey. And that tournament is basically the four best players from every country as a in a team, and I got to see like all the best players of the world. And it was in TV, it was on ESPN, so that was like I was so nervous. But th- just being in that environment and playing with those guys and just seeing everything was like, wow, I want to, like, that was like the time when I, when I had this feeling, man, I want to do this every day of my life. Which is, see, I love that. So it's, it well, especially from something that came with such adversity, like, like relocating, you know, living in, and I, I love how casually you state living as a refugee, because look, the reality is you had four people in a very small place and 
you made the best out of it, and, and it probably felt like a normal childhood because as an eight-year-old, you didn't know any different. So it wasn't like, you know, you're on, at that point, Instagram staring at all your friends who are doing all these cool things. And, like, it was just the world you lived in, and you made the best of it. And it sounds like your parents did an incredible job just, hey, like, this is our life, and we're going to make it amazing. We're just going to have to make some changes. Um, but I have to ask and, and take, like, a half step back. When you get called up into the, like, this is the big leagues made like from like being on a, on a national golf team from in Germany, but you can't play in Germany because you're not a citizen. So, um, like how, like what was that? Who called you? Like how did literally, how did that go? Because as somebody that's like, I, I've loved sports. I I've always played sports and the best example I can give. And for those listening or watching, like it's like playing baseball and you get called up saying, you know, you've been drafted for, on this rank in the professional draft, right? Like you're, you're, you've been picked by the Boston Red Sox in the fourth pick. And there's this moment, right? Where you get that call, but it sounds like it wasn't, it was not the same structure because they were like, who the heck is this kid playing golf in Germany that can't play in Germany? Like, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, because golf is just so small in Iran and, I think my parents looked into it once I started playing good, looked into like, okay, is there a connection between golf and Iran at all? So they started also Googling, but um, we, we knew there was a very small federation, but um, yeah, but at that time it was also, I was also lucky because they wanted to um, be internationally better, like more competitive. So they were also looking for players outside of Iran, which came in from the embassy. and. The good thing is, I, I on Google, I was like the only like Iranian golfer, and I also had a lot of articles written about me or like tournament results. So that was a good thing, and apparently they found me through that, and they contacted my parents. And so once I heard, I got the message. I was like, okay, like for me, it was like I was so into the process. I was like, okay, cool. Like, what does that mean? And I just, I just knew that okay, that's gonna give me an opportunity to play bigger tournaments. And I gotta like admit, like. Obviously, if you get to, to a national team, you imagine like, oh, it's going to be like the thing. You get so many, like so many gear, this and that. But it was just like the opposite because it was such a small, like they barely had money or budget. So I became the kind of the leader of the team. I became, I, I was the guy with the most knowledge in golf because I had also more opportunities in, in um, Germany. So it was kind of, it was weird because later on when I had sponsors, my sponsors actually provided like clothes to the national team of Iran for those events because they didn't have the money or like the opportunities because of the sanctions and all these other things, you know, but, but yeah, like that was, that was very interesting. And it's also funny because that's at the end of it's my home, but it's also the country we flew from, you know? So I was, I was, I was a little bit, I was very confused actually. Like I didn't know, okay, what am I now? German? Like, Iranian you know it was weird it sounds like it was probably strange especially because you were you know what 17 like you couldn't you know it's not like you were 25 getting a call as an adult like you were you know at that yeah. point that like so the Iranian team called the embassy in Germany the Iranian embassy in Germany yeah. contacted your parents knowing that they had you know seek refuge there and presented the idea saying you know your son's incredible at golf we'd like to discuss with him like playing for the national team we don't really have much but we'll certainly be able to provide opportunity 
what uh we what happened with, so your parents were on board like they there wasn't much because again they like it's not like you made the decision and your brother to leave your parents made the decision to leave for safety and for quality of life you know and and political disagreements right they felt that they didn't agree with what was happening so what were, were they were they against like well we don't want you playing for that you know what what was that like no i mean i mean they were not against it i mean and- at the end, it's just a political disagreement. But my parents love the country, like from like it's they 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 love it so much that they still like follow all the news, follow everything about it. Um, but no, they were also like very happy actually because it's kind of a big deal. I mean, you're at the end, you're the one guy from 80 million people who who gets to play for a national team, and in Iran, it has a lot of value. It's kind of like serving the country on in in athletics, you know. So, but I didn't. I never noticed that in the beginning. I was just like playing the game. But no, it was always it was always fine for my fans. So walk us through what happened after you started that process, right? Like not like like after like the paperwork and the nonsense of like getting onto the program and the national team. What happened once you were finally a part of the Iranian national golf team as it as a player, ready for that next thing? Like, did you have tournaments immediately? What, what ultimately happened? Um, well, yeah, so I, I educated myself about the tournament schedule outside of, let's say, Germany, like, because there are a lot of amateur events. And then I realized, okay, there are a few tournaments that are very big, but the only way to get into them is by being the best player of a, of a country. So that's when I realized, okay, cool, I'm, I get to play the Asia Championship, the World Championships, which are super big. They're still on amateur level, but the way they're, the tournaments are treated is almost like a PGA Tour event, like from sponsors, from just the, the amount of preparation it needs. And so once I played the first event in, in Turkey, I got to see like, okay, wow, what's the golf on the higher level where I want to actually get to? And so seeing this and also networking with a lot of people, that led to another tournament. Like I got invited just few few months later in a tournament in Florida. So that was like me first time like going to Turkey for a tournament like outside of Germany and then to Florida right away. And it was like the Florida International Junior. It was also a tournament for college coaches to um, look for players. But for me at that time, I didn't even know there was college sports <laughs> in the US. So, and my parents also like, I got a, so much credit because that tournament, they, we had to pay for it. And I don't know my, how my parents did it, but they were like, wow, that's such an opportunity. It's in USA. So we ended up paying for everything. The visa, my mom went with me, and, and I was in West Palm Beach in Florida, the, basically the home of golf. Amazing. So I got to see everything, and I was like, wow, like Germany is crazy, but US is just 10 levels higher, you know? And I got to play that tournament. I think I finished. 22nd or something and there were people from all over the world i did actually a good job for being the second biggest uh, second tournament for me outside of uh, germany and yeah and then it just went one by one then two months later i played a tournament in dubai and i got to i got invited to this and then at the summer tournament schedule in europe i tried to play for like uh, outside of germany also like in austria france whatever spain and then I got, uh, I got an offer from the best t- team in Germany to play for them, which was like three hours away from home. 
And that was also a no-brainer. So my parents were like so happy, me playing for the first division in, Iran, uh, in Germany. And, but that meant that my dad had to drive me three times a week, two hours, and then wait for my practice to finish and then come back. And that's so, so much sacrifice. I even, I even after meeting the German national team in Turkey, I got, I got to work with the fitness coach, which was the first time I had fitness coach. So I would, I would do that for six months, once a week. I would drive, like take an, kind of an Uber thing, <laughs> like driving with other people or taking the bus six hours north for two hours of fitness and then six hours back. And I did that once a week for six months, which sounds ridiculous, but that gave me the basics or the understanding of, okay, how important is eating? How important is fitness? You know, like it sounds ridiculous, but if I look back, if I wouldn't have that experience, I would probably like not get as good as I, I am now. Well, that seems like it was the first time for you, Ali, that was introduced to the formal way of training and treating this like a profession, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. previously it was competitive athletics, comp, you know, but once you start building that type of a repertoire of training, personnel, coaches, that infrastructure changes things from being something you do to what you are doing, right? Like that time commitment and your dad's commitment. Was there anything at that point that surprised you? Like maybe the regiment, the intensity, or was there anything that, that maybe was like a new, uh, like, like a new door that opened up where you're like, I didn't realize this was a part of golf. Oh, a hundred percent. Like the fitness, the fitness part was like so surprising to me because like the, the amount of improvement I could gain from having more mobility, flexibility was just so crazy that I realized, okay, it's, it's, it's much bigger than I thought, you know? Um, but I got to say like from the, of course it was much more intense, but it was never a problem because I was so self-motivated for golf. I was always more like, I was always trying to figure out, okay, is it financially hard for my parents or not? Like, is it going to be possible? That was like always the first question. So, but we managed to, I don't know, to do it anyways, always. Like, even like me driving six hours for fitness, that cost me probably 300 bucks every time. Like, it was, it was just, it worked out somehow. But I think the training part, what, um, I realized how, how big it is once I got to college. And that was like, when I was like, okay, this is how professionals really, um, yeah, train. Right. When you had taken the step from uh, like the States to Dubai and you started traveling around to different tournaments, were there any people that you played against that are notable now? Like, is there anybody on the circuit that, that maybe was like somebody that you met that ultimately did play a part in maybe teaching you something or because up until this point in the conversation, it wasn't like you were surrounded by a ton of golf coaches teaching you about grips, techniques, how to use your irons. Like golf's a pretty technical sport when you get down to the basics of it. And to this point, Ali, you just played based on gut and instinct and feel for the game, which is incredible. You know, was there any point in the preliminary tournaments that you played that you started to meet people and learn things that you felt like changed how you played the game for the better? Um, yeah, I mean, I got, of course, I had a coach once I started, 
but it was just the coach from the golf club I started at, you know, like it was not, I could look out for better coaches. Once I really started playing for the first league in Germany, I saw like the, the best coaches there. And, but I, we didn't have the money for me to like take lessons from them, but I still like got to learn a lot from the guys. But yeah, like w once I got to college, like I got to spend one and a half days with Bryson DeChambeau, who is now one of the best players from the U.S. Or um, yeah, like those experiences were like the biggest because also when I worked after college one year there, I got to spend time with Abram Anser, like Jimmy Walker, all these big guys on the PGA Tour, which is crazy. But then like their advices were much, much bigger than me taking lessons but um but I, I also got to meet a lot of generous people in the golf business throughout the big tournaments who just like got to meet me and they were like okay this guy is really in love with the game and they they basically gave out all their um ed all their knowledge just for free or just for because they were passionate about the game so i that's how i started um got, like getting um lessons through instagram uh, to whatsapp and instagram like i would send videos and they would send me like a voice message okay this and that you can change but through that i learned so much because there were coaches who st i'm still working with and they literally gave me all the knowledge from these 30 years which makes me to like know stuff that most of the people don't know which which is kind of my secret <laughs> and and that gives me like more confidence to play like to and also believe that I still can do it and make it to the big pools. I find that to be so crazy, right? Like we live in a world and I think like the COVID virus now and you're in Germany, so I'm sure you've seen a different look at it recently. In the States, we're kind of realizing that things can kind of still operate even if everybody's virtual and the offices and like the need to be physically in person, although important, has been called into question now more than ever before. You know, I, uh, on episode, I don't even know what episode at this point, but I had Aaron Day on, uh, who's a, a, a business owner. He runs a gym, a fitness gym up in Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, is it, he's in Rhode Island? I think he's in Rhode Island. Aaron, don't hate me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, he's training 150 plus, um, 150 plus people uh, uh, a week, and it's all virtual now. Uh, and it's one of those things that, like, yes, he wants to get back in the gym, but he's at, I know he's adding clients because he got on the podcast and he's gotten some clients in DC from it. And like, you know, from mm -hmm. meeting. And so, you know, did you like WhatsApp and Instagram? Like, are you DMing people? Like how, like, like to all the people listening, I know if they're motivated, they're trying to think like, how do I tap into people that are where I want to be? I want to learn from them. Maybe I can, I see their account and I'm like, I kind of want to ask them some questions. Like how were you meeting people in real life? And then bringing the relationship digital like how did that work um well yeah so the fact that i started with 14 was like a big disadvantage for me i mean now i see it as an advantage because it just i have more patience and more perspective but when i was 14 like i had to catch up a lot of time and i was also very um, passionate about social media which was why i started posting a lot of things and like it, like you say, like interact with people online and also reach out to a lot of people. So when I was like, when I was looking for financial support, I was like reaching out to every company in the region, literally like sending hundreds of emails every day, call them, 
literally cold call them, like they say. Um, and yeah, try to like, try to like get to where I need to be and try to get help. And I think this is also a skill that still, like that was a skill that I learned back then, which makes me more comfortable to be like in my daily work right now. But yeah, and also on Instagram, I, I got to meet a lot of people. Um, I also got one, two influencer gigs in, in the golf business, which was also unexpected. Um, but this is, but I never, never really like posted as much as content I wanted to, because when, once I got to college, it was just such a full-time thing. And I was so invested in it physically and mentally that I couldn't like, that I didn't really have time to like do social media. But now it's actually the time where I want to take all my knowledge from these 10, 11 years and then um, help people. So if anyone plays golf and is looking for help, yeah. 100%, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so what, so, so you brought up college, it's perfect timing, right? Because, you know, uh, uh, from the Iranian embassy contacting you uh, to you becoming a player on the Ira Iranian national golf team, playing some tournaments from uh, Turkey to, you know, West Palm Beach in Florida to Dubai and Southeast Asia, Travel was a component of it, but at some point, you know, you started to realize, I think I can, I want to go to college. I want to really like dive deeper into the, this, this world of, of golf, um, and still at the North star was getting to United States. Um, what, uh, can you walk us through kind of that process from, you know, before college, you know, looking at that as an option to your point a couple minutes ago, didn't even, you know, you weren't even sure Ali, like that was a thing like college sports. So how did college sports become something that you were inclined to pursue uh what what was that process like mm -hmm. yeah so um when i started playing bigger tournaments when i on the, i was 16 at that time and there were also some agencies uh coming to the tournament and looking for players so they were advertising this idea of once you're 17 18 and you're done with high school to go and play in the u.s but since I, so the people, like all my competition during, during my time when I was, from when I started until college, it was just people with, from wealthy beginnings, all of them. So when I started like reading about it and reading that tuition costs so much money in the US, I, I didn't even think about it. Like I didn't even go up to them and, and introduce myself. But um, so I was like 17, almost 18 and almost done with high school. And I started like think, thinking about it. And then I realized, okay, I met some people in the big tournaments. And they were also scouts at the World Championships. And I realized, okay, maybe I could reach out to them. So I reached out to them. And through them, I realized, okay, what, that, that it's a big opportunity to go there. Because it's more than school. Like being a student, you just have the perfect environment to get better every day in your sport. So then I signed up with an agency. And I realized that it cost a lot of money. Um, then after a few weeks and me paying a lot of money, I realized, okay, I can do it by myself. So I started literally emailing every school in the United States from division one, two, three, NAIA, everything with a, with a nice email, a video, some pictures. And yeah, I just literally emailed. But I, at that time I realized, okay, I, US is like the best options because staying in, the, in Germany would be like studying would be a full-time thing. And since we don't have hot weather, like in Texas, I knew the season was just six months long. So I realized, okay, I got to go to the States. And I did that. And I 
received 30, 40 offers and picked the cheapest one for my family um, and ended up in South Texas in University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Um, yeah, which was literally the best decision because at that time I was like between, oh no, I can stay in Germany, I can do it here. Like I tried to fake the reality just from fear maybe, maybe I was scared to go there, maybe I knew it was too expensive, but somehow I just did it. Once it made click in my brain that I need to go to the States, I literally did everything. I spent so much time like educating myself, how do I get there? And I did it all by myself and I was like 17, 18. So yeah, and then once I got there, I realized, okay, it was the right move to do. If you didn't go to that school in Texas, where would you have gone? Like where was plan B? Where was school B? Do you remember? I think it was in Nebraska. I think you made the right choice. There's yeah. only, even right now, sorry if you're listening from Nebraska, but I'm pretty sure there's only 11 yeah, like, people. I, mean, I had like, offers in Florida, but it was just so expensive after scholarship. So it would be Nebraska, but yeah. It wouldn't have worked. Now at this point, right, you're probably 20 years old, right, I would assume. Um, you're looking to go to uh, University of, of Texas, uh, Rio Grande, right, uh, down, in, uh, down in South Texas, uh, coming to the States. Your brother, three years older, is doing his thing. At, at what point, you know, or I guess at this point, like, what were mom and dad doing? Because you couldn't have at this point still been considered a refugee. And, like, you had to have been at this point autonomous, living in your own space, like, I, I would assume. What, what was it like? Like, what was the situation that you were leaving while going to the States? Um, well, I mean, of course, until that time, I kind of built a brand in the golf community. You know, like people in the region, in the state, they knew. I also, like, played the state championships, always finished, like, in a good position. So I had a brand. And also the people in high school, my friends around me, they knew. A lot of people knew me just because of golf. Like, even today, when I go back to where I grew up in Germany, people are like, oh, how's golf going? Like, that's the only thing they know um, about me. Um, but yeah, like once I made a decision, my parents were like, okay, like they, they, they saw, okay, it makes sense. That's it. <laughs> but they didn't think about like, okay, you need to learn the language. I mean, I did the test, the SAT test, the TOEFL test and all these things, which was so hard. I had to like redo them so many times. <laughs> But I mean, at, at the end, that I makes that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, not it's easy. Uh, um, it's not. Yeah, but so, I mean, so they were on board. I guess is the punchline. Like at that point, like so, your dad, your father was was doing political science in Iran before moving. Your mother was doing like at, what were they? I, oh yeah, um, so yeah, once once we got to Germany and then we we got out of the refugee home. We, they couldn't practice whatever they studied because the bachelor in Iran didn't count here at that time. Now you have opportunities to like make it count. But at that time they had to restart. So my parents were like literally cleaning in a kitchen, like some being clerk in some business or like my mom being waitress. And they built, they worked themselves up. And now my dad is a, a baker. But at that time they were all in the, in the food business, yeah. My so, dad he's, was, so, so he's a banker now, like finance? No, no, a baker, sorry. Baker, okay, great, got it. So, no, but at that time, they were both, my dad was a cook and my, my mom was a waitress, yeah. God. So, but the thing is, 
once my dad, my parents saw, okay, it makes sense. They approved it, and I tried to calculate the costs. You know, like as an international student, you have more costs, obviously. And I and I gave them a number. Okay, this is the number it's gonna cost monthly. And my parents, my dad, my parents were like, "Don't worry, like it's okay." And it ended up being like every semester, like I was like living on the edge, uh, having problems with payments and collections and visa and all these things. But I don't know, somehow I made it work. And I think just because I had the will to do so and my parents and my brother supported me was like all together, like it gave us so much energy to go through this. Yeah. It was hope, man. You were the one that got to the States and it, it wasn't the way they planned. You know, when yeah. you were that, and I just think that's so, man, it's, I just think it's so crazy. And, and again, like if you're listening to this or watching this, like you're, so I'll, you're, you're five, your parents are saying, we're going to sell everything, pick up and move because we need to get out of here. Right. They leave Iran, they end up in Turkey and they navigate through six or so countries, finally to land in Germany, you know, as a refugee, they spend what, three to four years, you know, unable to get German citizenship or, or a status that allows it. What's that? Actually six years. Yeah. Six years. Right. So, so they're living in, in refugee housing, which is more or less a room and, and some change, uh, to, to make it work. Um, they have to restart careers like where you know your dad was in business political science and you know your mom was working like the degrees and all their education didn't transfer they had to restart everything you stumble into golf because your mom starts working as you know uh uh, somebody in the kitchen or uh, as a waitress at a golf shop and and that plus you know a video game which was just an escape for you guys to play a game as a kid you know turns into everything right and so when you get to school which is like, I just think that's so crazy because, look, at the end of the day, like, coronavirus or, you know, your, your parents maybe get divorced. Like, look, there's a lot of shit that happens. Like, there's a lot of shit that happens that makes things harder than we had originally planned on it. And I love these stories because even as you're telling it, it seems so simple because it's just – I'm just telling you – like, you're just sharing the, the series of events. But the reality is – they always sound like series of events when you're reflecting on it. When you're going through it, it's about perspective. Am I going to feel like this is all crumbling around me? Or is this just what we got to deal with? And I just think it's so cool to see and so amazing and, and inspirational to see that like you found a way to get to the States knowing the reason you couldn't go originally was because you were fleeing Iran during this, the 9-11 timeline. Like, dude, like your parents, I'm sure at one point were probably like, I guess we'll never get there. Yeah, you know when you really think about it, like that's crazy to me. Yeah, and 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 like, like you say, like I even have to laugh because you you go through all the things I told you, but there's like so much more into it. Like just thinking about it. Okay, my parents were I don't know mid thirties, leaving and then arriving to Germany, and we're like, okay, cool, what now? And nobody knows German, like no one. And you're in a refugee home where there is a I don't know, 15 square meters. I don't know how many feet it is, but it's, it's not big. For a whole family, you have public restrooms, public kitchen, and then you have to like live through this for six years. And at the beginning, you weren't even allowed to work. Um, yeah, and then you just, you just like go day by day. And then in this refugee home, there are like families from all over the world seeking the same thing like you. And everyone is in their trial at the beginning. So you could stay there for five years, but they can send you back because of whatever reasons. 
Like if you so, cause problems or something, something yeah, that. I mean, when I grew up, I had friends. I I knew families from I don't know Serbia or like Bosnia, Turkey. They were like invested into it, learned the language. Like there's their children went to high school, everything. Like they were perfectly ready to be integrated into the German community, but then they had to leave because of whatever weird laws at that time. So, you know, like you had always the fear to go back to not being accepted in Germany. And that's for six years straight, you know, like it's crazy. And also the financial part and imagine like, because I learned the language the fastest because I went to kindergarten. So you're like 10, 11, and you still have, when once your parents get letters, you still have to like translate to them and you don't understand, you don't understand anything from economy or whatever, but you have to, under, you know, like it's just so many things like in every aspect of life, you have to like support them and they have to support you. And it's just on such different level. And for me, yeah, it just sounds like, yeah, it's normal because I didn't know anything else, you know? And I think the whole traveling because of golf even opened my perspective more because I get to meet people from all over the world, like going to tournaments and seeing people from Nepal, Fiji Island, like people, most of the people don't even know that they exist. But then they're coming from such a different other, uh, I don't know, community and perspective. And that's so crazy. Like, I think that that literally tattooed itself in my DNA. And I, I'm going to carry that for the rest of my life, which is amazing. Like, I'm so thankful for it. It changes everything. You know, it's 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 it turns into your operating system almost. Right. Yeah, 100%. And, literally everything. Like I have a op more open perspective at 25 because I started playing a computer game that led to meeting so many people and going to now 29, 30 countries, you know, like it's crazy. Like <laughs> It's super crazy. It's like a movie. When you talk to your parents now and reflect, like do you guys ever kind of reflect on what the hell happened the last, like, I mean, this is what the last 10 years probably, like when you really sit back and you went from being 10 to being 25 and like you picked up golf at like 11 and do you ever just sit down and talk and you're like, what the heck was that? Yeah, actually, actually because now I'm one, it's been one year that I'm back in Germany and I live in Munich, like in a different city. And now because of the coronavirus stuff, I'm here with my parents. And ever since I got back after college, we talked a lot about it. Every time I'm home, we go through pictures and my mom has our pictures all over the world wall. And yeah, it's crazy. Like, at some point like you know my parents didn't also have this big perspective but now realizing okay we're in germany like so many things could have gone wrong you know on the way and just the way it went is just crazy and actually there was a picture of me in kindergarten in iran that was like the first day of kindergarten where i'm wearing a pullover with a golfer on it you know <laughs> which is insane like i saw that a few months a few months ago and I was telling my I was like, mom, what are the odds that I have a golf pullover in Iran when there is not even freaking 500 players or a thousand players, you know? And I, I was wearing that and that's, that's crazy. Like when I saw this, I was like starting believing in some bigger thing. I mean, I believe in law of attraction and all of things, but dude, like when I saw that after being in college and com coming to the normal nine to five life, I was like, man, like, that's my destiny so that's why i i have such a big perspective and i'm like i'm so like 
uh, I have so much gratitude and positivity that it's going to work out sooner or later. So, yeah. I, look, if, uh, if you don't take it to those listening, if you're not taking something away from this, you are sleeping at the wheel. But um, look, man, I, I, uh, I hope we can connect, you know, downstream that next year, something like that, see where things are at. I know you're still playing, obviously picked up a, a job and, and actually started your own uh, design and, and, you know, UI, UX, like consulting firm. You do some work for some yeah. some companies in Germany. And, and um, I know we could dive deeper in a whole bunch of different things, but um, I, I love how it's just the journey, right? And, like, I think when we listen to these types of stories, like, make a decision on enjoying the process good and bad and 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 recharge the people around you like i think it's like when you tell that story you can tell the more you got invested in the dream the more your parents and your like the more camaraderie the more you were invested the more people came together and i do think that that shines the light on the real thing which is look most people i think in their gut they sense things i think most people in their gut feel a pull in a certain direction maybe mom and dad saying don't do that or they try to you know it, it, it inject their opinion and it maybe brings some doubt to the equation but from the second you played that game and you picked up a club it became very clear that this was something that made sense to you and your parents bought into it god bless right and and the whole thing started to shift and it wasn't easy right hundreds of messages to the states to colleges the Iranian, uh, the Iranian government, like them finding you in Germany through the embassy, through your parents who couldn't probably read the message that was sent that was like, what about golf? Like so much of this is so difficult when you first look at it that it makes no sense that it, that it happened at all. Mm. And I think as we wrap up, that's kind of the point of everything. And, and with this podcast and the messaging and like the point of this podcast first floor conversations is the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it foundation isn't about facts and logic foundation is paradigm it is perspective it is process it is the energy it is the this yeah it's skills yeah there's some facts that are involved but ultimately is like what is it that we're building on and i think ali you have an incredible foundation for what should be a just the start of a pretty crazy exciting story and you know as we kind of wrap up is there anything that you want to uh share any anything that's top of mind for you um yeah just to add something on it i mean we didn't get to talk a lot about the time in college but when i when i was really when i made it to college i always used like the thoughts of i was always saying man if i made it as a refugee to germany then i can freaking hit a golf ball into a hole like you know like that was like the perspective i had and and it's just once like they always say you know you gotta love it and then it's and then you're gonna be successful and it, i mean if you like really dig deep in it it's true because if you love it it's never gonna feel like work and you're never gonna be lazy there's nothing like lazy you know and so when i think back like the more i loved it the more i even did stuff around it like i went more deep in it like fitness and then reading books about water like food like how everything is affecting you how everything comes together so you can be the best version of yourself in whatever so just whenever you have an instinct and you want to make a cho choice just do it 
and it's just gonna it's just gonna the dots gonna, are gonna connect sooner or later you know and i think this is like the belief you always have to have in everything and nothing like nothing can shock you at any time nothing and don't make assumptions right like if you had from a as a child assumed well the iranian golf program's small there isn't a lot of money in it and written it off as an as like ah that's not going to end up as anything i can't get paid a ton because of this like if you if we make assumptions based on surface level information we may close the door on a potential life that is beyond our imagination yeah because you say it never makes sense like if i look back it never made sense so but if i would take decisions based on making sense, I wouldn't ever get to the point where I am. And it's as simple as that. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're listening, you're streaming, you're driving, working out, maybe you're watching this on whatever platform it's it's on. We appreciate the time and attention. If you're listening, our hope is that you, you enjoy the stories and you gain something actionable relating to your life, your habits, your process, and your journey because... Um, I think, Ali, you've, you've done an exceptional job um, persevering to create a quality of life that, that I think is, is admirable, uh, but articulating it in a way that actually gives people some insights in how they can do the same thing. And so um, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Ali, thank you for joining with us and uh, stay tuned for more.